Welcome to your Latina Hermana podcast, a safe space where my first-gen Latina and Latino children can feel heard and supported, a community to empower and break generational cycles. My name is Leslie, and I am your host. Hi, everyone. It feels so good to be back. Please excuse my voice right now. I'm starting to get sick. I know it's been a very long time since I last recorded. I have missed y'all so, so much. I hope you all had a great summer and happy fall, happy spooky season, and happy tamales season, pozole season. Yeah, I know this season is about to be lit as fuck. But anyways, I will be updating you guys within my next episodes. For today's episode, though, I am so excited because we have our very first guest joining us today. Her name is Sasha. You guys are going to love her as much as I love her because her energy, her vibe is just amazing and i hope you guys feel it through her voice because i most definitely did she is 30 years young she refers herself as a first gen and a half she has her associates in health science and is currently working for healthcare corporation she is such a passionate and uplifting person i'm telling you guys she is amazing she is uh, what i would consider on the flip side of the healing journey and i'm excited to share her story with all of us This is honestly by far one of my favorite episodes. We really dived into the dynamics of her healing journey, navigating toxic households, the role of being the oldest daughter. And if you know, you know, because this is a topic that I constantly talk about in this podcast. And if you guys know, in this podcast, we value transparency, honesty, and just raw conversations. And that's generally what I felt throughout our whole conversation. Now, this will be the first part out of two, maybe even three, just because we covered so much. And I want you guys to get the most out of each episode. So I hope you enjoy. And I just want to thank you so much for listening and for your constant support for the time that I've been away. And on a side note, if you guys want to reach out to her or want more information, I will leave her contact info on my show notes. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Los mando mucho, mucho amor y cariño. And here's to healing, learning, and growing together. You're so excited for something that, like, you really can't sleep. And then at work, I'm over here like, oh, my God, it's today. It's today. Our brother's going to like, talk about this today. I know. I feel like that, too. Like, it's como like when you're going on a future for the first time where you're like, anticipating it so you're just there like with the jitters the whole night before exactly that's <laughs> Asha, thank you so much for joining me today it's such a pleasure to have you can you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself who are you oh that's a really good question <laughs> first of all thank you so much for the opportunity and you know for creating this platform um you know I, i'm so grateful Uh, My name is Sasha. I am 30 years of age and I'm a generation and a half. I love that. Yeah, I'm the oldest uh, between myself and my brother. I'm just excited. (laughs) I'm excited too. Like even from our previous conversations, your energy was just like there. 
And I love that. No, and I, I honestly, like, it was the best conversation that we've had, as we both talked about earlier. I wish we could have recorded it because we I had know. a lot of good, uh, you know, pieces to just, like, bounce back between each other. And so it was amazing. But thank you once again. And, you know, I, I greatly appreciate it. This podcast is, like, uh, truly the coolest thing ever. And I'm so thankful you created it because it made me feel not alone. Like, I absolutely can relate to every single episode that you've talked about. And I even took notes about it and have been talking back to my podcast, you know, on my phone. And so my coworkers will think I'm crazy just because <laughs> of the fact that I'm like, oh, she's right on how to feel about that. And oh, yeah, I definitely understand how that feels like. So it's honestly been the coolest experience to, first of all, have an awesome podcaster reach out to me. Second of all, being able to have this opportunity to tell you guys as to how I can honestly relate. So it's, it's, thank yeah. you. No, but thank you for using your voice. And like you said, and like we both said, like, right, our, our first conversation was amazing. Like, and honestly, that's just one out of the many that we're going to have. But I want to thank you for using your voice because, again, this is not about me. This is about you today. And I really, really want to just emphasize that it takes cojones <laughs> to, to come up here, right? Big cojones. Like big girl cojones that no one even knew existed. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. But that's why. And I love it because and, and thank you for your kind words. I really appreciate it because that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a safe space where we feel understood and heard. And maybe we're not able to relate one thousand percent. But that's the point of bringing you on and bringing other people on. It's to share our stories, to share our voice. And so the ones who are listening know that you are not alone. And just as how you were able to relate to me, even from what you've told me and what we're sharing today with everyone else is relatable to me as well. And then I'm also able to relate to some of the experiences that you've gone through and it makes me feel heard. It makes me feel understood. So I can only imagine how many people are going to take a lot of what you've been through to there. So again, I just want to thank you so much for accepting this invite and for showing up with your energy and just being an amazing person. You know, a lot of us can relate to certain things, but we don't want to talk about it. And that's 100% okay. But you're someone who's like, I want to share my story. And so, again, this platform is yours and it's here for you to share your story. I know that when we were talking, a lot of the conversations that we were having is your experience moving out of or breaking away from a toxic environment, toxic households. And, you know, that's something that's not easy. And even today, I had so many girls message me, like asking me questions about your experience and about just an experience in general of us moving out of those toxic relationships, those toxic households. So I just want to get to know a little bit more about you and your background. What made you want to talk about it? Or where was that point when you were like, you know what, this is where things start to change? Yeah, you know, um, not everybody's story is one and the same. And in life, we're taught there's love and there's loss, but no one really ever talks about what comes to loss because we only get familiarized with it when someone passes away. You can experience that while someone is living. Like we grieve breakups in, in relationships. We grieve removing ourselves from our family. All those emotions that come with it are the same. 
not all in the same order, but it's the same. And I think that's one of the greatest things that I'm, I grew to kind of recognize, you know, I've, it's already been officially, I want to say five years since I've removed my parents. Uh, last year, I removed my brother, unfortunately, who is my only sibling and the youngest. That was my baby that ended up parentified um, and taking on. And just recently, um, before my 30th birthday, I removed my extended family. And it's not easy. It's not easy because your familia is what you're born and, and raised to know. And in our culture, in, in the Latino community, we're told family above all. Oh, and yeah. so, like, for me, I, of course, you know, growing up, I am the oldest daughter between me and my brother. My parents had us both at, I want to say young ages, because, like, their mindsets were not fully aware of what it entail to have children um but to dive into that story is that my parents are middle school sweethearts they met at a valentine's day dance you know little, my dad was little rico suave you know what <laughs> my mom by you know her feet and and they fell in love and you know they were in a relationship throughout middle school and you know they both come from abusive households they're both the youngest of their siblings my dad's the youngest of five my mom's the youngest of six that are all girls (laughs) and you know they grew up in very toxic households too they grew up in abusive households they grew up in poor financial states you know and when they reached the point of high school they had and this is unspoken and we never really talked about it but I could tell that they had the goal of breaking their own generational cycle with their parents and so as they were finishing up high school and like starting to plan their futures their families didn't permit them you know to get a good education go get a good job and and all that now is you graduate you forget your education start your family build a home Mm -hmm. and so my parents pretty much assumed that was going to be their escape is get married have babies, create a beautiful life, which is what we all want for ourselves. Right. And so fast forward, they get married in 1990, 1993, they have me, um, the little bundle of joy, full of hair. (laughs) And, you know, they thought that this was going to be it. This is going to be the good life. And uh, fast forward, you know, my brother comes along in 96. And things just started kind of hitting that rocky pave. My parents' marriage of like 22 years was starting to crumble. Um, you know, they they were mainly caught up in just work life and their marriage life. My brother and I were kind of on the back burner unintentionally, I think. I don't know. That's how I'm kind of thinking about it. But I will get into that later. <laughs> um, And, you know, I ended up having to take on, as I matured, you know, and started 
realizing things of what's happening around our house is when I became so woke as to how toxic and volatile my parents' marriage is becoming and how I'm being pretty much as the oldest, having these expectations of take care of your brother, make sure your brother's fed or homework's done or he's home from school. And it, you know, at that point, it was like, this is your, your job as the oldest daughter. Like, this is your responsibility while mom and dad go make a living for us because the value of a dollar to them was for survival mode. Yeah. It was never really for long-term planning. So I pretty much started taking on that full responsibility and I started to grow resentment towards my parents. I pretty much was like, I don't want to be here anymore. I really don't want to hear my parents fighting anymore. Like my friend's parents, they'll never fight like this. Why am I? And so my dad felt heavier into alcoholism. My mom, unfortunately, had a second life outside of our family um, because she was unhappy. And my dad, from his background, he never really knew how to cope with those feelings until there was liquid courage involved. And when it would get in the mix, a lot of abuse would start happening towards me who was constantly being the one pulled out of her bed late at night to stay up and mediate and watch my father become this bad person. And, you know, for me, I never understood that. Like I was being brainwashed. Like he's a horrible person. He's the alcoholic. He's the abusive drunk. And, you know, I made sure that every time those fights occurred, I would constantly go put headphones on my brother or put the radio on for my brother because he deserved a childhood, you know, for me, it was just mainly like being the peacekeeper of the house, making sure everyone's happy. But as I got further along in my teenage years and into high school, life freaking was hitting me left, right, up, down. I felt like I couldn't catch a break. (laughs) I, my house felt like this dark cave of prison my mom had me miss out so many you know events and and opportunities to hang out with friends because she didn't want to be home along with my dad who's this abusive person I mean he's, he's just a hurt alcoholic that just you know isn't being hurt out and I don't I didn't realize that as a kid well, I mean, you, know. Too, you know, we were kids too. And just you sharing just this one part, I was able to relate to it so much because, you know, when we're kids, when you're the eldest, especially, and I know that this doesn't apply to everyone, but a lot of majority, especially in the Latino community, the eldest, especially like the eldest daughters, mm-hmm. get put into this responsibility where we have to be the caregivers. We have to be the ones providing for our siblings without, you know, being asked or told like, we're just put into that role like it's it's ours and they don't even have to sometimes even say it we just take it upon ourselves to be like that and when you said like my brother deserved a childhood it's like I had that same mentality it's like well you know it's kind of too late already for me but for him like let me let me try to save him and his childhood and so now we're putting ourselves in this place where we're protecting them at the expense also of our feelings, our emotions, and we have to mature and we have to, we become so aware of our environments, like you said, that now we're the ones 
mediating between our parents. We're the ones <laughs> trying to resolve the issues. And then when you said you went to school and then you, you know, couldn't really participate in like these events. Same. I mean, obviously, and I love it because you have your own story, but the concepts are similar. Very, very yes. Exactly. Because I mean, like, and this is, it is funny because I know everybody's probably going to laugh hearing this, but the movie Encanto. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't. You know what character I'm yes. talking about. Luisa. I, the first time I saw that movie and she sang to the, it's to the surface or under the surface. Uh, there you go. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't judge it by Miss Quilk. Um, as soon as I heard that song and I really got to listen to the lyrics. Oh, I cannot tell you how much I bawled because (laughs) as the eldest daughter or eldest son for all of our hermanos listening, Mm -hmm. when we come into this world, there is an automatic expectation put upon us that we did not ask for and my therapist pretty much questioned me and said what is an expectation it's an idea right our parents already had the idealization that we are supposed to take on these rules but in all actuality we're not we're just individuals that are also trying to figure out our lives who we are, what we want to do with our lives, you know, like, and to have a parent designate that role to their oldest, it's, it's a job that I know that they aren't fully aware of what exactly they signed up for, but it's like, I, I hope that by all of us eldest in our families get an opportunity to speak up and be able to say, I love you, mom and dad, but I can't coach them through life. I can't show them right or wrong, but if they'd like, they can learn from me as I'm going through my own experiences. And if they choose to take note, that's on them. I can't force anything on my siblings that they may not agree with individuality within your family should be normalized that part like these tough conversations should be normalized and that's conversations i've tried to have multiple times with my parents but they're the youngest so it's not like they really know any better you know so it was hard like i I remember just like getting to a point where I was just so defeated. I was getting, I was working two jobs. As soon as I became the legal age, I took on two jobs. The first job was at a movie theater. And the second job was teaching at an after school program. And I hope my students are listening to this because they are. They honestly were the ones that inspired that click because these kids are in middle school some of them are also eldest kids and they would talk about how their younger siblings and you know 
getting bullied or their younger sibling is like their full responsibility. And I felt horrible because I understood where they're coming from. And I understood how it felt like to not want to go home to avoid that responsibility. So as I'm working those two jobs, I'm also going to college and high school. I got my associates <laughs> shortly after I graduated high school. And sad to say, that still wasn't enough for my parents. Because I was neglecting my brother. Mm-hmm. And that part hurt the most. Because here I am, I'm already at a point where I'm in my senior year. I'm getting bullied at school. I don't really want to be at school, but I'm sucking it up and doing it anyways. I'm going to work two jobs. There's days I didn't want to, and I was just crippling with depression and just wanted to sleep. I still sucked it up and did it because I didn't want to fight with my parents, much less I didn't want to hear them. To not be happy at both those jobs, not be happy at school, and then also not be happy at home. Oh, and also not happy in my friendships. I was ready to leave this world. I was ready to take my own life on my 17th birthday. And I was ready. Like my method of leaving was hanging. Like I I was just done. And during that time of my life, I I grew up in church and I was Catholic Christian and and stuff. And I believed in angels and, and just signs in general. And I was getting really close to just kicking the chair out from under me, but I felt this hard, hard beating in my chest of someone just hitting me and saying, stop. Like, you need to stop because this is not your end. This is the beginning. And if I keep holding on, there is going to be a light at the tunnel and it's going to feel great. And so I remember I just sat there, I cried. I was home alone on my own birthday. And I just remember, like, I need help, you know. I couldn't talk about any of this stuff with friends at at school. I had one teacher. um, Her name is Sandra Chagoya. She's the greatest high school teacher ever. And, you know, she can always tell when I was going through it. But she never really approached me. Mm. Even my own childhood best friend had very minimal idea how bad it was. My coworkers had no idea, like no one else in our extended family had a clear idea of what was going on. So when my parents um, suddenly like just split, I remember there was one time, one day where we went to go visit my aunt And my aunt starts talking to me like, you need to do more. Now that your father's out the picture, you need to step up. You need to make sure to be on your mom's side. You need to do, like, I literally was like, whoa. Like, I just got out of one situation. Now I got this. I was like, and you're supposed to be my aunt. You're supposed to be the safe additional parent I can go to and talk about these things. And I couldn't because it was like, they're still feeling into the toxicity. And yeah. so I'm like, yo, like I can't. So like I had just gotten like, I helped my mom get out of that horrible situation. I got us a little apartment. She ended up shaking me out. 
she was like, bye. Like, I don't need you. Like, go, you know, try to live your life. And I tried. I was about to enlist for the Air Force. And as I was getting deeper and deeper into that process, my mom immediately said, if you if you leave this family right now, when we need you the most, you're not a part of this family. And I was like, what do I do? Because I want a future for myself. I don't want to be around this. I don't want to be heavily relied on by the people that I should be able to heavily rely on too. So as we got into that, she kicked me out of my apartment and dumped me at my old hometown that we had moved from. And I moved in with an aunt and that aunt, like she, I had no form of privacy. Like my mail was opened. I could not confidently talk to anybody on the phone because my mom would hear about it. And so I was just like miserable. I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> I was like, obviously, if I feel uncomfortable, like my peace was disturbed. And I felt like I wasn't being accepted or embraced by my own family. Like I was, I didn't like it. I was like, I couldn't understand this feeling coming from strangers, but it's more painful being your own flesh and blood. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like lost. I have no sense of direction. I have no parental role or anybody trying to like help bring me to a same spot. Much less could I feel like I could ever talk to anybody about it because no one really understands. You know, I'm sure you can understand when people are like, but that's your mom. You got to forgive your mom. That's your dad. You got to forgive dad or you know, that's your family. Like, that's who you got to stick with forever. It's understandable to stick with them if they reciprocate what you give to them, too. I was their caregiver. I was their cook on occasions. I was the maid. I was the babysitter. I was the person chauffeuring them to and from doctor's appointments. And not once were they really there for me when I started becoming an adult. You know, I went through homelessness. I was to the point where I was in negatives trying to survive and I had no support from them. And so fast forward to 2013, I, you know, tried to forgive. I tried to forget. I reconciled with my mom. I moved to Las Vegas. My mom, of course, living her life again, but shoves me out again onto the street. And this time she locks me out of my own house and I have to get law enforcement involved to help me move my stuff. And that felt like the greatest all-time low at that moment. Because I thought, how shattering that you practice forgiveness and forgetting. But she still showed me she's the same person. Regardless of me being the better person. So I was like, I don't want to go through this again. And I don't want to give this woman more power than what she's already had over me. Because your family knows your weak spot. They know what to use against you to control you. And that's exactly what she did. 
right when I thought I was getting a mom and building a relationship with her, it was like everything was just kicked out from under me. And my mom proved to me that she just is still the same. And same went for my dad. Like I cut my dad off for years. Um, I think it reached a point where it was like already a handful of years. And I also reached out to my dad and I tried to reconcile things. And, you know, he had just moved on and my mom had just moved on. Both of them ended up getting remarried and still being the same person that they were. And it broke my heart because I thought this is an opportunity. Like, although they're divorced, they can still care for my younger brother. My younger brother had so much resentment with with me and towards me because of my parents splitting that he chose to not talk to me for years. Even though I was like, you know, I'm sorry, like whatever I may have done, please forgive me. Like, I want to have a relationship with you. And so come to find out after the many years of silence from, from all three of them, January of 2022, I get a call from my dad. And he's like, I need you to go pick up your brother. And I'm like, well, why? He's like, well, your brother moved in, moved in with your mom after being homeless for many years, which hurt hearing that. He's like, I need you to go pick him up because he's about to be homeless again. And as I'm listening to my father tell me that, I have the call on speaker and my significant other, who's one of the ones that was like, that's your family, you need to forgive them, like family's family. She herself is very family oriented. She was like, let's bring him here. Let's let's help him out. Like, he's not just your brother. That's my brother, too. So right as soon as I think that I'm healing from all the trauma and the hurt that my parents put me through before, it's like that wound just got sliced freshly back opened up. And I'm reliving all that trauma of being parentified or the way I came to know it was by fulfilling absent parentee syndrome. And it made me spiral because I became this different person, this more angry person, more reserved person, this person who just wanted to continuously run away from her problems. But in that moment, I knew this has to stop. Like this, this kid, I mean, he's not really a kid now. He's 26 year old man. I was like, it's not fair that he's now going through what I went through after I left high school. And so (laughs) there I go back again, reverting back to being parentified. Bought him a Greyhound ticket. He shows up wearing everything he has. And I mean literally wearing everything he has. He's layered up like the kid from Breaking Christmas Story. Have you seen um, Friends? Joey? Yes. That's exactly how he looked like. Yeah, he looked like that when I picked him up in the Greyhound and I was like, este loco. Like, bro. I was like, it's 100 degrees outside. And he's thickly layered up, can't move his arms, can't move his legs. And I could tell he looks defeated too. And I was like, this poor little chum 
all right, boys, here I am. Might as well just help him out and hope that he is a healthier and more mentally sane person than I know, even though I know he's gone through his own brunt of trauma. And so I pick him up, kind of weird. Hadn't had a brother in a good year, a few years. So so it's like, uh, how do I talk to you now? (laughs) I don't know if you've had this challenge, but it's like, how do I talk to you as a sister and not a maternal figure? When you got that call saying like, come pick up your brother. It's like, you, you just feel it. Like you said, like, like how it was and just the way you acted the way you responded the way your body responds and you start kind of like your body regresses back to that person that was unhealed that was in that same situation and then at one end I mean I don't know if you felt this but guilty if you said no yes like but I think it's regardless whether I said yes or said no. I still felt guilty at the fact that my younger sibling still didn't have his parents. And I was furious. I'm not going to lie. To this day, I'm still, I still get furious about it. But it's crazy. I never would have realized nor been so aware of my feelings about the situation and every single situation that my family has put me through without therapy. And in the midst of of the chaos and, and prior to my brother coming back into my life, I had a job that was mainly surrounded over grief. I would speak to loved ones who who recently lost their father, their mother, their sister, their cousin, their best friend. And hearing these people and some of them going through same circumstances or similar circumstances as us talk about how they hardly know their parents or how they wish they would have had another day with their parents or their family and just hearing the repetitiveness in grief and grieving a loved one surf it's so much suppressed drama or not drama trauma the t word um that i knew that i couldn't carry that on anymore it hit a point where my body was physically a like showing those traumas Anxiety started happening more. Insomnia started happening more. Heavier alcoholism started happening before. And I started noticing even more when I got into my relationship of how suppressed those traumas were. Because my partner, she has a healthy and I, I call this because I love them, a healthy dysfunctional family. Meaning, regardless of whether they are fighting with you one day, they're still going to show up for you the next day and the next day and years. 
And there's no such thing as grudges. And so seeing those family photos that she's showing me of like her childhood, you know, her time with her family and family gatherings, like that kicked my butt so much and broke me even more. Even though like she had no idea how severe my past was. And so for her to initiate taking my brother in wasn't necessary, but she did it because she's like, I know how much you miss your family. And if this is an opportunity for you to reconcile with some family, we're going to do this. And she's like, I got you, even though we're not in the best spot in our relationship, but I got your back. And I was like, all right, this is when change really has to go into effect and has to stay changed because I'm not going back to toxic ways. Like cutting off my mom, you know, as soon as she threw me out of the house and I had to call the cops, cutting off my dad after pretty much dumping my younger brother on me and, and choosing his wife over his kid. And then to now be in this new situation of, of grieving the relationship with my brother because after taking in my brother my brother sad to say for the many years that he was alone didn't fully understand that I didn't want to continue repeating toxic cycles even more so now that I have someone in my life that I love very much in my relationship to show me unconditional love I don't want those behaviors that I've seen growing up and, and, you know, what, what comes out when I'm around my brother to be carried on to, to my relationship with my girlfriend. And it got me thinking about my future. I was like, I don't want to carry this to my kids. I was like, because if my parents came into their marriage and created their family with the intentions of breaking a, a generational cycle, why am I going to carry it on? Like my grandparents, they had a toxic cycle because of their parents. And they ended up creating, a, without knowing, a toxic cycle in their generation. And it just carried on and it's a domino effect and it creates the coldest and darkest household. Uh, and that's why I say it's like a dark cave of imprisonment because as I started fully coming aware of this with therapy and, and really addressing that trauma later in my life, I never really understood it until my therapist decided to take me out. Well, she was calling me up mainly because one, I, I don't like conflict. I don't really like sitting across someone physically and talking about my issues because I tremble like a little chihuahua. <laughs> and so she was like, no, like, you know, we've been doing our therapy sessions on the phone. Like, I think it's time you come in, dress comfortably. I want you to feel your absolute best, even when you're in sweats or whatever. She was like, just please come down to my office. So there I go, grumpy, because I have to leave home. And as soon as I get there, she's like, let's take a walk. So I'm like, okay. She's like, we're going to start our session out in the garden. I'm like, oh, how therapeutic is this? <laughs> and 
as we're going around, I'm starting to talk about all the the stuff that my parents put me through and how I'm feeling about like my brother and and all that. She's like handing me rocks. And she's like still talking and she's like giving me advice and still hearing me out. And as we keep walking, she puts one rock on my in my hand, does another rock and another and another and another to the point where it got so heavy that I looked at her and I was like, hey, uh, these are getting kind of heavy. And she goes, but did I ask you to carry it? I was like. Like your mind blew. I, I, I went speechless. I was like, well, you just handed it to me and I just started carrying it. On, without thinking about it I just started carrying everything you were handing to me and she goes this is what you're doing by still holding on to these traumas she's like you weren't asked to hold it in she's like you can let go at any time it's just the choice that you're still holding it I was like oh okay quickly drop those rocks and looked at her and I said, I see what you did there. <laughs> you're mind blown. <laughs> like I was mind blown because I'm like, you're pretty much telling me that I'm the one that is not addressing my traumas right away. And made the choice to suppress it for so many years to the point where my body can't physically handle it. This is why she's paid the big bucks to be a therapist. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> and you sharing this as well for free. <laughs> like, but I love that you you um brought that up because I think a lot of us do that. I did that myself too without, again, realizing or becoming that self-aware to realize that we do hold on to a lot of our traumas. And, you know, some of it can be because we grew up not learning how to communicate our feelings. We learn to resent our feelings to kind of keep it in, keep it inside. And even from earlier when you were telling your story about how you couldn't come to your close family members to talk about these issues. You couldn't go to your tias, your, let alone your parents or your siblings because you want to protect them as well. So then you're kind of left there alone with no one and so used to doing that that that's why we start suppressing everything because then we feel like, well, no one can relate to us. Like, so why even bother saying it? Why even bother talking about it? Until, you know, now that you brought this up about how, well, we can also learn to let it go. Yes, exactly. And and that was the, that part was the struggle. It was struggle letting it go. But at the same time, one of the greatest things that I've heard on, I forgot what, what source I pulled it from, but they say, if you're too busy analyzing things that are in your past, you're robbing your present and destroying your future. Because if we're going to continue to be consumed and allow our traumas to live within us until it physically can't and we are so stuck on that feeling we won't have any change in our lives until we start becoming uncomfortable and start addressing it and 
that was by far the hardest thing to do. Like now I can talk about this stuff without really being a Chiona and it feels good, you know, by, by coming across your podcast, it felt good to know I'm not in this world alone because that's what the, the, those 10 years of my life felt like. And no matter how many friends that I would surround myself with or, you know, how busy I try to keep myself, it's still there, you know, but it's, it hits a point where it's like, it's there and it starts to become bearable as you just deal with it, cry it out, feel what you got to feel, but then keep your eye out on that horizon because that light that I'm describing at the end of the tunnel, as you continue to look forward to your future and start planning towards it and start doing the heavy work of talking about this stuff to your therapist or someone that you can truly confide in, even your childhood best friend, um, you know, those are the people that are going to help you be able to cut those ties and strongly move forward because here I am at the age of 30. I have had two very, I mean, I have two very, had one career that was very impactful and I have a current career that is still greatly as impactful as the first. And it feels good being able to be present and be able to enjoy it. And Yes, I have my bad days where I think about, man, like, I wish my, I wonder what my parents would say, or I wonder how my parents would feel knowing I got to go visit Mexico for the first time at the age of 30, (laughs) you know, like, I think about them. And now I've hit that point where it's like, I stopped thinking about them in that negative light. And I started thinking about them as young kids that wanted to break out of their cycle and wanted to have a better life, but couldn't manage to find that strength to really ride through those feelings. Because having the people that you came into this world with and are supposed to be the prime examples of how you navigate through life be the ones to hurt you in the most deepest and hardest ways, they might not have meant it, but they had the sole intentions of creating you into this world so you can make it better, which is why you are the most strongest person in your life. And although there may not be someone there coaching you the whole way, or holding your hand through this whole process. You are your own parent. You are your own mija. (laughs) Um, You are by far so incredibly powerful and, and you don't realize this yet until you start making all these dreams that you had as a kid come true with or without them there and trust it 
is the beautiful feeling of being out of the cave (laughs) and stepping into that light and just feeling that warmth and just continuing to grow because you can't grow anything in the darkness unless it's mold, which is toxic as hell. (laughs) Their analogies are so spot on. Like you can grow a freaking garden and be surrounding yourself with people that empower you, that love you unconditionally, that will show up on the good days, the bad days, and put you back together to remind you how truly incredible you are to have conquered all of that gunk and toxicity in the past because the minute you start creating your own safe space and and your own little environment it feels good like so so good and I'll tell you how good it is like to visit Disneyland I mean California Adventures I call it Disneyland still to visit California Adventures After 20 plus years, I was gobsmacked and my inner kid wanted to run around everywhere. Like I told my girlfriend, if they have adult tether backpacks, you might want to buy one for me because I'm going to ricochet back and forth on this property, finding every single little like Easter egg that they hide at Disneyland and, and meet all the characters and it was just great because I got to do that. You know, my parents, they took me as a kid, but those were horrible memories because they were fighting. But now to go as an adult on my own time, oh my God, that's incredible. And I, I did it because I felt like I truly have kind of just grown to enjoy being present and not be so sad when big accomplishments come my way you know I give my parents the credit of thank you for putting me through what you put me through because I am glad that I am growing to be a better version of myself every single day for my future family 